Russian politician threatened Elon Musk. How did he respond, and what's the story behind it? Tennessee moms started fighting against indoctrination textbook decade ago. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Win Kathy Show. I'm your host, Kathy Zhang. So I'm um, going to bring you a feature interview uh, in regards to how uh, moms are fighting against the, you know, the problems, the issues that impacting their children. And I have a very interesting story to tell. So please um, stay with the feature interview that I'm going to bring with you. But first of all, let's again talk about Elon Musk. Lately, the messages that um, Elon Musk has been tweeting on weekends seems to always have some kind of a bombshell effect. The past Sunday night on May 8th, he tweeted something quite shocking. And he said, if I die under mysterious circumstances, it, it's been nice knowing you. So it turns out it's probably referring to Elon Musk, uh, claimed that he has been threatened by a top Russian official over SpaceX use of its Starlink satellite to provide internet in Ukraine. But uh, what is the whole story and uh, what does that tell about Elon Musk? So first of all, let us talk about a big figure whose name is uh, Dmitry Olegovich Rogozin. Uh, who is currently the director general of um, Roscosmos, or it's just equivalent to the, you know, in the United States, it's the NASA, right? So that's the Russia's NASA. And since 2018, uh, this uh, person has been the director of Russian's NASA. So previously, he was the uh, Russian's um, ambassador to NATO from 2008 to 2011, and uh, the deputy prime minister of Russia in charge of the defense industry from 2011 to 2018. So he opened a Twitter account called uh, at Rogozin. On his account banner, there is a date called, uh, written as uh, April 12th, 1961 and an astronaut's face on it. So what do they mean? Well, the cosmonaut Yuri Gagarin launched to Earth orbit aboard the uh, spacecraft Vostok number one on April 12th, 1961, becoming the first person ever to reach space. The landmark moment continued a string of space firsts uh, for the Soviet Union, which kicked off the space age with the launch of the satellite Sputnik 1 in October 1957. In the personal profile of uh, Rogozin, he wrote the following in Russian. Our people cannot be crushed. It can only be erased into gunpowder. As you can see, you know, that's super hardliner. That's a super hardliner. Hardliner. Then, 
Mr. Rogozin posted the, the you know something in Russian, who which was translated by someone, and then posted it and was seen by Elon Musk. So let's take a look at that. And uh, yeah, just uh, stay there for a little while so that our audience can read it. So uh, then after Elon Musk saw that, what he replied, and he said. The word Nazi doesn't mean what he seems to think it does, and then Musk went on to tweet something quite shocking, which just happened last night. And he said, "If I die under mysterious circumstances, it's been nice knowing you." So, does Musk means an assassination by Russia? Well, it's up to anybody's guess. However, Mr. Beast, who is a super YouTuber who has a following of seventeen million people, tweeted back, and saying, "If that happens, can I have Twitter?" And Elon Musk graciously replied, "Okay." And Musk went on and、uh, tweeted again, saying that、uh, there are no angels in war. Later, someone sent Musk a screen capture. Which shows Mr. Rogojin set his account uh, as uh, protected, and whoever wants to follow him has to be approved by him first. Elon Musk replied with a tweet: "Seriously, how tough are you really if you cannot even handle two hundred eighty characters or of a character uh, of a criticism?" So. Here, the two hundred eighty characters refer to the one hundred forty characters, which is the maximum length of a tweet. And、uh, Elon Musk, you know, saying tweeted twice, and the one English character takes to oh yeah, so that's the one hundred forty characters. But then each English character takes two eight bit computer characters. So that's. Total of two hundred eighty, and、uh, regarding the death talk by Elon Musk, one Twitter user, you know, this many people just、uh, responded, and one of the user said the following: "You won't die before your day, Elon. Anyhow, you are were a unique figure in this world." And、uh, continue saying, "I'm only wondering one thing." In a, as a genius,、um, as a genius, haven't you found out that、uh, there is a great creator of this world yet? If you didn't, if you did, make sure you confess this before your last heart beat. Bless you. And then, how Elon Musk replied? He said, "Thank you for the blessing, but I'm okay with going to hell if that is indeed my destination." Since the vast majority of all humans ever born will be there, so you know it's interesting, right? So people may think, does Elon Musk believe in God? Well, from this tweet, it doesn't seem so, as、um, no believer would joke about hell in such a way, right? But then, in another interview back in January, Elon Musk said something like this. And he said, "I agree with the principles that Jesus advocated. There is a great wisdom in teachings of 
Jesus, and I agree with those teachings. And he continues saying that uh, things like turning the other cheek is very important, as opposed to an eye for an eye, which will leave everyone blind. He also said、uh, forgiveness is very important. Threatening people as you would wish to be threatened,、uh, treat, treating people as you would wish to be treated, love the neighbors as、uh, your, yourself. And he said that's also very important. He continues saying that、uh, as Einstein said, I believe in the God of、uh, Spinoza. He said, "If Jesus wants to save people, I won't be standing in his way." And he said, "I hope he is true. I will be saved. Why not?" All right. So that's what he、um, when he was、uh, interviewed by I think that's、uh, a channel, you know, probably by some Christians. So then, you know, just、uh, after I present you with the, those facts, as I said, stated above. It's up to you to conclude、uh, what type of belief or values that Elon Musk holds. So, how do you think? You know, just、uh, leave your comments there, and it's interesting to discuss. All right. So,、uh, while just、uh, I'm waiting for your comments, let's just go to the next、um, feature interview. So that's about education topic, and we know that things. In the during the past two years, moms from an, around the country just have been speaking out against issues impacting their children, especially the textbooks they found inaccurate or biased or indoctrination in nature. Many of the parents are also taking action to try to make changes and take things in their own hands. Local school board election. Therefore, has become one of the hardest races this year. But actually, a group of moms in Tennessee started their efforts of flipping the local school board a decade ago, and now they are sharing their experience of success and、uh, training parents around the country how to flip or run for school board. So here is the person that I'm, you know, will present my interview today. Her name is Laurie Cardoza Moore. She was a homeschooling mother of five in Tennessee when she discovered the first shadows of indoctrination in textbooks within her own school, own children's school district. That inspired her, together with some moms in the same district, to form. Uh, an organization called、uh, Proclaiming Justice to the Nations, and、uh, abbreviated as PJTN. So, according to Laurie, they wanted to sound alarm on the global rise of anti-Semitism and the growing cracks in America's national foundation. Laurie was appointed as the Tennessee State Textbook Commissioner in 2021, and now she's a potential candidate for District 63 of the Tennessee House of Representatives in the upcoming midterm election. So my interview with Laurie started with how did that happen in the first place. 
we had a parent who reached out to us because we fight anti-Semitism. We had a parent in our own county, in Williamson County, Tennessee, who had found an anti-Semitic quote in her son's textbook. And in fact, he came home from school one day and he says to his mother, this is a kid that was homeschooled through middle school. And this was his first year in a public high school. He came home and said to his mother, he said, mom, who has legitimate rights to the land of Israel? And she said, what does the Bible say? And he said to her, he said, I know what the Bible says, mom, but tell me the truth. Who has legitimate rights to that land? That's when she started to ask him questions. She looked at the textbook he was using that day. And she called me and she said to me, you'll never believe what we're teaching our children in our public schools in Williamson County. Now you have to understand Williamson County is not just your average county. It's one of the top 10 most conservative, Republican, wealthiest, um, evangelical Christian communities in the country. So for a child to come home from school questioning his faith is not normal. And so when the mother brought me the all the information, all the evidence, and I saw that the quote that was anti-Semitic basically legitimized Palestinians blowing themselves up in a Jerusalem restaurant because they were waging a war against Israeli government policies and army actions. When I saw that content, I knew if this isn't here, then there's no telling what they're teaching our children in this book. So I read that book cover to cover. Not only did I find the anti-Semitic and anti-Israel content, but I found anti-American, anti-Judeo-Christian um, values, anti the very things that made our nation the nation, the freest nation on the planet. And I saw that the way they were framing the conversation with our children, it would turn our children ultimately, eventually against our country, just like it was turning them against our policies with Israel. And so we went to work. We decided to launch a media campaign. We bought radio time on television, on, on commercial time and radio time to um, educate and inform parents about what was going on in the schools, in the classrooms. Give us an example why you think some of the contents are anti-America and will turn our kids to, you know, anti-America. Because they were framing America in a negative way historically. That America is greedy because we are a capitalist country and because of our capitalism, other people are oppressed as a result of it. That some people make it and some people don't make it and that's not equitable, that's not fair. That's what we were taught in China when we were in school. That's interesting because what we are seeing, what we're facing now in the United States of America is a Marxist takeover, much like what we have seen throughout history in China. The same abusive behavior that China has, has um, pushed against its own citizens are, is now the same reaction or abusive behavior being pushed by our own government. But this didn't happen overnight. This has been going on for a long time. For, here in the United States for 100 years, there are people who have been dedicated and committed to turning our government Marxist. 
while we were paying, att paying att attention, enjoying our freedoms, raising our families, you know, going to church or synagogue or temple, wherever someone would go and practice their faith. While we were doing all of that, just living our lives, having our families, working, putting food on the table, they were busy preparing to take over our country. And they knew they couldn't do it overnight. They knew they couldn't do it fast. It had to be like, um, you might be familiar with the frog in the pot, turning on the pot, putting the frog in, turning the, the pot on and slowly heating it up. And before the frog knows it, the frog is cooked. And the same thing is happening to us. We didn't realize this was going on until a decade ago when we found this anti-Semitic book because that was the impetus to make us start looking at all the textbooks. But the culprit of the textbook publishing companies is Pearson Publishers. Pearson is not a US-based textbook publishing company. They are based out of the UK. Their four largest shareholders include the Islamist governments of Qatar, Turkey, Saudi Arabia, and Libya. They are the four largest shareholders their investment that they make into those publishing in those textbooks. You mean the four countries' governments? The four Islamist governments are the largest shareholders for Pearson Publishers. And they're the ones who publish this anti-Semitic, anti-American, pro-China text. And let me tell you how they presented China. There was an, uh, a blurb about how the one child rule in China. You could only have one baby. Well, the way the, the author wrote about the one China rule is that all the Chinese agreed with their government, that they should only have one child because it was for the betterment of the economy and the nation as a whole. They didn't talk about the, the women who were forced to abort their second child because they were pregnant with their second child. They didn't talk about the babies, if, if the woman somehow was able to have the baby, about how they would come in and they would kill the child. That wasn't part of the text. Wow. But this is what they were teaching our children. So how, why Okay, let's stop here for a little bit. Yeah, I just wanted to insert something uh, because uh, Laurie talked about the uh, pu uh, Pearson Publishing Company, right? So um, I searched the website, you know, did some little bit of research and found that uh, Pearson Publishing Company, they actually uh, published a guideline, a new guideline uh, for the textbook on February 25th, 2021. However, the website actually shows the page cannot be found. Let's show a C7. And uh, then, you know, I ha we have a way to backtrack and uh, find like the archive of the website, right? So indeed, they did have this page back on February 25th, at least, of 2021. And uh, it says they, they, they update a guideline saying that um, Pearson race and ethnicity, diversity, equity, and inclusion guidelines. So that's the whole theme of their new guideline. The race and the ethnicity, diversity, equity, and inclusion guidelines. That's mouthful of uh, such a guideline, right? But uh, indeed, they published, published it. 
but somehow cannot be found at this time anymore. All right, so let's continue with the interview. Publishing company are used in our space. Great question. 80% of Pearson sales come out of the United States of America. They are a global publisher. They sell 60% of their sales globally. They are the largest textbook publishing company in the world. And they are being used to indoctrinate our children, not just here in America, because Pearson, we have a chapter in South Africa. We have a chapter in Australia. They have the same problem with their curriculum. It's the same issues. They are targeting the Western countries that are based on freedom. Unfortunately, with this textbook, when we mobilize the community to show up at the school board meeting to demand that these school board members vote to remove that textbook, we had parents lined up. It was standing room only. One after the other after the other got up and spoke at the microphone telling them, get rid of this book. I went and got up and said to them, this is an election year. If you do not remove this textbook from our children's schools, we are going to remove every one of you from office. How did they respond? They voted to keep it. And we went to work the next day. We had four months in order to flip the school board. We found six candidates to run. And, we, and by election day in August, those six members, incumbents, that were up for re-election, we brought every one of them down because we were able to organize, but it required education. And see, the mother that came to me with her son, she had seen our films. She knew about our mission to stand with Israel to combat anti-Semitism. She responded to the call to action. If you see something, say something, we wanna know. That developed, that showed us the model for flipping school boards. And that's why now we are going from community to community we just hosted a summit, Taking Back America's Children's Summit, here in Orlando two weeks ago, where we trained the parents and the citizens how to effectively launch a campaign to flip their school board. And so now they went, they took the information, they've gone back to their communities, and now they're going to work on their county. This battle is district by district, county by county state by state the way we're going to take back our nation is from the grassroots level it's going to require you and i we the people to take back local control of our communities and it starts with our children our children are the key to our future just like abraham lincoln one of our presidents said that the philosophy of the classroom in one generation will be the philosophy of government in the next and that was just a decade ago. This really came in full force like it has under Obama. He brought this corrupt propaganda into our children's classrooms, trying to convince us that we are racist. When in reality, the people that are racist are the people that are denying my children, your children, whether you're Asian, whether you're Jewish, the right to have a seat at the table because we are considered, because we are white, we are more privileged and we don't deserve. We should be singled out and we should be targeted. And I say, no, we are Americans and we come from different walks of life. 
My family came from Portugal and Germany. Your family came from China. There are other countless stories in this room of, of ancestors who have come from different regions of the world right here to America to enjoy the freedom and the liberty we have. But it all comes back to, are we the people willing to fight to defend our Republic? That's where we are today. That's our message. We have to, we the people, have to take back local control of our, our children's education. It will ensure the future of our republic. What you found out is like the textbook, they are not only anti-Semitic. That's right. right? It's anti-anyone it's anti who doesn't agree with their Marxist values. You know, you, you remind me of something important. Martin Niemöller, during the Holocaust, He's, he had a poem that he wrote that first they came for the trade unionists and I wasn't a trade unionist so I didn't speak up. Then they came for, you know, the next person and I wasn't that so I didn't speak up. Then they came for the Jew and I wasn't a Jew so I didn't speak up. And then they came for me but there was no one to speak out. Anti-Semitism is always the canary in the coal mine. If, a, if a, a community or a people or a nation will support attacking Jews, then anybody is fair game. God has chosen a specific people and people that hate God, hate the Jews, they hate freedom, they hate everything that our country, our Judeo-Christian values, our American values stand for also have branches outside of the United States. We so, do. Yeah, why do you think people are also interested in... Oh, are they also have the focus, one of the focus on the school boards or is it generally just... Uh, no, they're focused on the, the school boards and curriculum that's being used to teach the children. Um, the same problem that we have here in the United States in education, the assault on our freedom, on our Republic is the same struggle that these other Western countries are facing. Um, we found that it doesn't matter. This is what's so beautiful about this is that it doesn't matter what cultural background we come from. It doesn't matter what country we come from. We all have inside of us the DNA marking of the almighty God. And that's the longing to be free. He puts that inside of us. And so when we come together, no matter what culture, no matter what country we come from, that DNA that is given to us by Almighty God is alive in each one of us. And that's what connects us. That's what unites us together, to be free. And that's why I believe that this strategy is the winning strategy to take back our country it's a grassroots approach. It's county by county. There's a Bible story that I like to remind our listeners, our audience about. It's found in the book of Nehemiah. When Nehemiah was given the authority by King Cyrus to go back and rebuild the walls of Jerusalem that had been torn down after war, he went and assessed the damage. And he went to people who lived in front of sections of the broken wall he went to leaders of districts in front of other sections of the broken wall and he convinced everybody, just rebuild your section. 
don't worry about your neighbor's section on the right or on the left. Rebuild your section. And the story ends with Nehemiah rebuilding the wall in record time, 52 days. Every county in every state is like a section of Nehemiah's wall. If we will go home in our county, and if we will take this battle on and rebuild our schools by getting rid of these school board members, then we can rebuild this country in record time as well. Wow, the very inspiring story. And so in your experience, when the parents are trying to flip the school board, what are the important factors to contribute to, to being your successful? Yeah, successful. The success comes out of the drive of the heart. You first, the most important thing you have to have is you have to understand the threat and you have to be willing to make the sacrifices that it's going to require the time, the resources to put in to invest in flipping your school board. That is key number one. Key number two is a successful strategy. And that's what we help people. We train them one-on-one -on -one in these summits. You can't train somebody in a, in a video. I mean, you can tell people in a video, but you really have to have hands-on. That's why the summit is so important because we bring groups of people together from different communities who work together. They all feel like they're part of the team, they're part of the mission, and then they become the ones to execute it. You've got to have the love, you've got to have the calling in your heart, and then you've got to have the willingness to launch a successful strategy, and that's what we help people build, is that strategy. Because every, every community, every school district is slightly different. Basically, overall, it's the same strategy, but there are different nuances, different, you know, issues that we have to overcome, but it can be done. And we saw it, we saw it happen in San Francisco. We saw it happen in Loudoun County. We saw it happen in Williamson County. The strategy, the model works. For some of the parents, maybe they just feel intimidated because they've never done this before. Right. Yeah, so what would you like to say to them? That's such a great question because I've had many parents tell me, I don't have any experience. I'm not a politician. And I said, that makes you the best candidate because our government, our founders never set up our government to be run by a bunch of bureaucrats, by um, politicians who made a career out of being a politician. They created our country so that we, the people, would be involved in governing our affairs within our community. We haven't done a good job. Just like, you know, um, Samuel, God told um, the Israelites, they kept asking for a king. They wanted a king. And God told Samuel, no, tell the Israelites, I'm their king. They don't need a king. If they have a king, then they're going to have to sacrifice their kids to serving the king. But... They were insistent they wanted a king. That's the reality. If we don't, as a people, if we're not willing to govern our own affairs and govern ourselves as God intended it to be, like, like I said again, he put his DNA in us. We know right from wrong. We know to treat people with respect. You know, the golden rule, love your neighbor as yourself. You know, treat others the way you want to be treated. Those are the values that Americans were raised. I was taught that. 
And those are the values that make our country so unique. It's what makes people from China who want to come to our country, from India, from every corner of the earth, people long. Just like my ancestors, when they came from Portugal, when they came from Germany, they wanted to give their posterity a chance of being free. For people who don't realize the Marxism is in this country, in their schools, and what's the most thing they were missing? One of the things that the whole COVID crisis um, did, the silver lining, if you will, in the, in the proverbial cloud, was that COVID exposed the curriculum. Parents were home with their kids and they were listening to what was being taught in their classroom, in their virtual classroom. They were listening to the discussion of what was being taught to the children. And that's when parents started to rise up because they weren't teaching our children how to read, how to write, how to add and subtract, to be successful. Those are foundational issues um, that's, that has to be taught to our children to create a future success for college. But what they're doing to our children now is weakening our children emotionally, mentally, academically, because an uneducated, uninformed, um, populace is easily manipulated and controlled and so fortunately because of what happened with covid we were able to see the totality and the very thing that i've been shouting from the rooftops for the last decade look at your kids textbooks well it was for they were forced to look at their kids curriculum and here i couldn't i kept going to meetings all over the country telling parents and grandparents, you know, your kids are busy raising their kids. You grandparents, you've got more time. You need to be looking at these textbooks. And what I was trying to accomplish over the last decade happened within a couple of months with COVID. And I was like, finally, now, now everybody's listening to me. I wasn't losing my mind. Well, so in a way, COVID actually did something good. Yes, it was a blessing in disguise, we say because it came at, an, a, we didn't anticipate it. We didn't expect what we were going to find. We all just thought we're gonna have to hunker down. We're gonna have to, you know, reacclimate our lives for a period of time. And then that's when all hell broke loose. And that's when parents, that's why parents, when COVID, when the ban was lifted, parents started showing up at the school board meetings because when they confronted their teachers, the teachers would say, oh no, this is what the county says we have to teach to teach this, you know, this um, subject matter. This is what we have to use. And the parents have had enough. We've seen people thrown out of, you know, the frightening thing is that we have right now a government in the United States where the Biden or the Biden administration, the Biden administration um, was working in tandem with the National School Board Association who wanted to list parents and citizens who attend school board meetings as domestic terrorists to shut us up, to silence us. So now we're on our government's list. Who would have thought in the United States of America that we would have a list being kept by our government of people that they consider domestic terrorists?
And who are we? We're moms and dads, grandparents and grandparents, taxpaying citizens who love our country and our government is turning on us now. I say, not on my watch. You're not gonna win. They're not going to win. We're gonna continue to, to educate and activate people. There are more of us than there are of them. Yeah, and and Americans won't tolerate it. You were the early ones to really, you know, saw the, how the school board is, uh, the importance and how it needs to be changed. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And it can be done, even though parents may not have the experience, you learn as you go. We're not too old to be able to start and learn something new again. And I think the parents who have stood up and challenged the powers that be, challenged the system, are the real heroes. They are the patriots because they're making it very clear that their children are not going to become the propaganda guinea pigs that our government thinks they can make them. If we can get parents to fill the school board, the school board is the firewall against the encroachment of the state government because they can say, they have the autonomy to be able to say, we're not gonna use that curriculum to teach our children. So that's, that's the importance of the school board. It's very, very important. The school board is the gatekeeper to the community. And we know that the responsibility of the gatekeeper, like a watchman, is to protect the inhabitants of that city. So, but you're gonna try. To I'm gonna charge. Yes, I'm gonna be the cheerleader. I'm gonna <laughs> encourage everybody to take on the battle in their community, and we're gonna be there to hold their hand the whole way. We're gonna take this country back. We're Americans. Are yes. you hopeful? I am very hopeful. I'm hopeful because there's people like you who are actually here capturing these stories. I'm hopeful because here at this conference that we're at, there are people who are showing up who are also concerned, who want to take back our country. Now what we have to do is harness all the energy in this room and we need to channel it in every one of these counties across this country. And if we can do that, if we can successfully launch this we can take this country back it it will be the biggest takedown of marxism in history all right so that's laurie cardoza moore and uh, last word she said the biggest takedown of uh, marxism in this country how do you think and she mentioned something you know COVID is like a blessing in disguise and uh, I, I agree, and a lot of things actually does seem to be the blessing in disguise because they could actually wake people up. So not only the uh, the moms, the parents are waking up to the, you know, the issues that impacts their children. Some states also taking action. If you you know read about Florida, right? Florida in April. Actually, the Department of Education rejected 41% of uh, submitted math textbooks for students due to the inclusion of um, Common Core and the critical race theory. The Department of Education in Florida shared some examples showcasing the problematic elements. One of the examples uh, provided uh, uh, showing 
that CRT in a math textbook. And uh, in an application exercise, students are presented with a bar graph based on the implicit uh, in the implicit association test, which supposedly measures the level of uh, racial prejudice. Another bar graph used in this test to measure racial prejudice based on party identification. So overall, it suggested that conservatives are more racially prejudiced than the members of the far left. And another screenshot shows that a section on an adding and subtracting polynomials, whereas um, yet again references the implicit association test. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis has defended his administration's move, and he made it clear that there's no need for quote, things like social and emotional learning and some of the other things that are more political in the textbooks. And he said it doesn't meet the state's standard. The center said if a book does the common core math, then that would obviously be inconsistent with the standards. When you do social emotional learning, CRT, things like that, in a math, program just simply violates the standards. So Florida clearly set up, you know, set out the standards for the education. So DeSantis said, um, I think it echoes with a lot of the parents. He said, I think what parents in Florida wants to know is, can I send my kids to the educated or to be educated? Or am I basically sending them to get indoctrinated with whatever some of these people in the education establishment from up on high do. So, yeah, and uh, that's, um, you know, what Florida obviously is uh, being the forefront of um, fighting against the CRT. And, uh, but on the other hand, it was uh, shown the data shown that uh, actually a lot of the blue states like California, New York, are using, have been using the uh, money from the COVID uh, Act in the CRT education in these blue states. So drastic contrast between the red and the blue states. So yeah, how do you think of the things we are um, you know, we just talked about. And one thing also I think um, it was very inspirational from uh, Laurie and her experience is that uh, she and her, you know, district, the moms in her district has notified, have been uh, realized this uh, textbook problem over a decade ago and that they have been keeping uh, fighting, right? So, and uh, uh, they've, you know, being bullied is, uh, is a lot of, as you can imagine. And also that makes us think of what's happening with the Supreme Court leaked document. And uh, we know that, you know, the far left groups has, have been um, organizing the protest outside of the conservative justice's home so that we were told that um, Justice Alito had to move to a safe place due to those threats. So 
The far left's strategy or their tactics is just using the, you know, really the violence, right? Whether it's by words or by action, the violence and the try to scare off people. Uh, but um, people like uh, Lori just uh, kept on fighting and uh, now she obviously saw, uh, sees the lights ahead of, it, ahead of her. So yeah, that's the experience uh, in fighting against the communist China in Chinese, in the, you know, in the communist regime, the best weapon, one of the best weapon they can use is threatening. It's just uh, threatening people either with the words or with um, violent behavior. But uh, for people who do not back down by those uh, the people who do, do not um, uh, get in, intimate, intimidated and uh, just uh, hold on to their principles and then they will really see the lights. All right, so um, let me see uh, some of uh, the com comments here. Um, book said, good, a playbook would be nice. Yes, yeah, so actually Laurie's group, they say that um, they have a kind of playbook to train the parents how to run for school boards or flip the school board They based on their own uh, experience, right? So uh, Louis said, another fantastic interview. Love your Patriot guests. Thank you. And um, book said, oh, um, let me see. I saw something earlier. Sheva um, Romero, it's very nice to watch honest news reporting. Thank you. I'm glad you like our reporting. And Larry, hello, good friends. And uh, more from book, outstanding, thank you. And Louis said, how many coincidences do you need to witness before you realize these things are intentional? The parachutes are in charge. Yeah, so just again, again, you know, we show you um, the evidences. And um, oh, book said, I have been actively against the teaching since Common Core curriculum came out. Wow, good for you, book. Yeah, I think a lot of, um, when Common Core came out, uh, a lot of the parents, as I know, they, you know, including in the Chinese uh, community, they didn't really realize. Uh, some feel they do not like it, did not like it, but, you know, didn't really realize what's behind the, these change, so. Okay, Larry, thank you for your suggestion. Um, I, yeah, I know who he is, Joven. Uh, it's about the ele election integrity, right? Okay, thank you. Yeah, thank you for the suggestion, we'll try. And uh, let's see any comments uh, from the safe chat. Joe said, Elon Musk is the richest man in the world. Why is he not surrounding himself with the retired Navy SEALs bodyguards? Get it done. <laughs> we need you. All right. So hopefully Elon Musk sees your comments. Uh, 
I think, you know, people probably around him would also give him su similar suggestions, right? All right. So Shirley said, um, Russia is evil. Who cares what they say? Who cares what they say? Okay. <laughs> okay, great. Um, all right. So I think that's all for today. Um, so glad that you are with me for this show. So have a great night. Um, take care. We'll see you on Wednesday. And uh, I think we will be with all of us by then. All right. Good night. Bye-bye.